Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 7. Here's Pastor Ryan. Good morning. Wow, that was an amazing video, and I'm just in awe of what God is doing. And we're, I feel like such a spectator and just watching God's grace move in our church. And, and he's right. Pastor David's right. It is a first for many things in our church. Uh, uh, and so we're just blown away. Uh, we just, uh, for those of you who don't know, we just purchased this building by God's grace. Escrow closed a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're just in awe. We're, we're a church who uh, stayed open during COVID, and uh, it seems that uh, God God saw that, and uh, we felt it was it was our calling to stay open for people who needed to get together and worship the Lord and. Uh, and he blessed us with this church. We were at Hammerling Elementary School, but they closed down because of COVID. And then we were at uh, the park here, Ripley Park in Banning, where um, we were meeting at the amphitheater there. And the city was actually, they said, we're, you're essential and let us meet there. And then uh, the gentleman uh, met, uh, you know, got a hold of me wanting to sell this property. And so we went from renting a school to the park to this church and so it's it's ours it's in our name we are we were able to get it way under value so we're super blessed by the lord and as you see there are some upgrades happening uh with the fence and stuff but i wanted to share with you a little bit of the warfare uh that goes with when god is doing firsts in a church and blessing a church a growing church um we had a neighbor complain about the church, right? So the code enforcement showed up uh, during the week. And, um, uh, you know, the guy tells me um, that uh, the material you're using is not um, material that's allowed for, you know, fences and such. And, and he said, trust me, it's going to look ugly. And I just was like, whoa, taken back at those words. It's almost biblical, right? It's, it reminds you of Nehemiah and Ezra and the building of the wall and them trying to stop that, you know? And it was like the code enforcement guy. It's not even the neighbor. It's now, it's like the code enforcement guy, like bought into the whole. And I just shared with them, you know, listen, we're, we're, we're a church that loves Jesus and, and we don't, we don't want to do things that look ugly. And uh, we spent a lot of money, and there's one neighbor complaining. Not this one, guys, so don't bless, you know, don't, it's not, just don't worry who it is. But anyhow, he said, oh, you know, just talk to my boss, the development manager for banning and such. And, you know, the Lord put it on our hearts to really be involved with the city. So we've been going to the council meetings and praying uh, for their council meetings. They've asked us to pray. And so we know people in, in uh in high places, I would say, in the city. And, and even our sister Alana just got a planning commission. She's on the board there too. And so all of these things, it kind of goes full circle when the Lord's behind it. You know, one thing leads to the next. And so, but I felt like the Lord saying to me, you know, I felt like it was a test. You're going to, don't make calls to the people in high places. Pray. So we prayed. Within 24 hours, that neighbor came 
told our guys, you know what? The fence is, is growing on, on me. And, 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 you know, it's just prayer. It's just prayer. And the city developer uh, called me and uh, he said, it's all good. I have a clause where I can green light things. That looks beautiful. It's just a new style. You know, people are using sheet metal for fences and for, uh, you know, the buildings, basically. And you see it all over the place. So it's a new hip thing. And not that we're trying to be hip. It just is, it looks, looks nice to my wife. And so there it is. So that's just how God answers prayer. Um, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans chapter 7. The book of Romans chapter 7. I was able to send out an email to the church yesterday. So if you didn't receive an email, check your spam. We've been having issues with the email. Check your spam to see if you have an email from us. And if we don't have your email, fill out a connect card and we'll, we'll send you updates on what's going on, the happenings of the church and uh, a small devotion. Uh, don't worry, we won't stalk you, and so you can always be removed off of that list. Romans chapter 7. Are we all there? We'll be beginning in verse 7. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you again this morning for your wonderful love. It is your love that gives us great peace, gives us great confidence and joy. And so, Lord, as we have come to your house, Lord, and we are opening up your book, give us understanding. Open our eyes spiritually. Oh, Lord, I pray, remove any hardness of heart, any pride, any doubt. And, Lord, fill us with faith this morning, Lord. And, Holy Spirit, lead us into your truth. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. All right, so Romans uh, chapter 7. Um, as you know, <clears throat> Paul the Apostle in the previous chapter 6 tells us that uh, sin no longer has dominion over us because Jesus nailed the power of sin to the cross when he died for our sin. And that is a very uh, important Christian doctrine that sin no longer has dominion over the believer. Christ died and, uh, uh, to pin that power or to destroy the power. So it no longer has dominion over people. And that's super important because, as you know, many use the excuse of sin or for sin that they've always been this way and they can never change because that's just the person that uh, they are or they were born that way. But that's a very popular excuse to sin. But the Bible, you know, uh, squashes that. Jesus didn't just die for the penalty of our sins, but the power that sin has to dominate people's lives. This is why anyone in Christ can change from what they used to be into what God is now making them to be. So to the addict, to the drug addict, to the alcoholic, to, to those in sexual immorality, what you name the sin. We can change by faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to dominate. The only way sin can dominate a person's life now is by them choosing to allow sin to dominate. It's now a, a clear choice uh, uh, to, to just let themselves be ruled by sin. And, and here in chapter 7, Paul tells us that men are, 
are dominated by the law of God as long as they live. Men are dominated by the law of God. What is he saying here? He, he's speaking to those who know the law, that um, those who have not given their life to Jesus Christ, but know like the Ten Commandments or, or have uh, some knowledge of what God thinks is good or what God thinks is bad, they are dominated by the law. Because the law was given not to make man righteous, but to convict everyone guilty under the law. Because no one can keep the law. No one. Amen? And the law condemns because no one can keep it. But Jesus died for the penalty for all of us who cannot keep the law. He died on the cross. So no longer are we guilty because the law. We're not under the law. Because Jesus took away the penalty of not keeping it. He is the fulfillment of the law. All of the good laws that God gives, the Ten Commandments and everything else that he says is good, it's good. But the problem is no one can keep it. Everyone has sinned. And it's not a matter of doing it or not doing the law, keeping them physically. It's the heart, as Jesus said. Jesus said that if you're angry towards your brother, you're in danger of, of possibly murder. So the law is spiritual. It goes deeper than just our outward actions. Thus, we're all guilty. But thanks be to God that whoever believes in Jesus Christ should not perish but have everlasting life. And we are no longer under law, but under grace. And then in verse uh, 7 of chapter 7, Paul writes here, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. And so Paul now is asking the question, Is the law bad because it basically condemns everyone under it and, and magnifies the guilt of everybody? It basically uh, uh, it's good, but our flesh is bad, and it magnifies our wickedness once the law is given and it's there. He says in verse 5 of this chapter, For when we were in the flesh, that is our old life, when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. And so in our old lives, our flesh became worse when we knew the law of God or heard the gospel message. Before I ever heard the gospel, before I ever got saved, I knew from my life, just in growing up, with the societal norms of life, you know, school teaches us, parents teach you, family teaches you, but I knew, like everybody else, whatever I could pick up from this world, the norms, what is good and what is bad. And so before I came to know the Lord, I lived my life however I wanted to. And when I was old enough, I knew that I was a sinner and that I was living in sin. I knew that. My conscience and the morals and the norms of society told me that I was bad. But it was different once I heard the gospel. Once I heard the gospel, what I knew myself to be bad just got magnified to another level because now I know what God thinks of the sins that I was committing. Do you know what I'm saying? And so Paul is saying that the law 
really magnified the bad that he used to live in the flesh. And so that is what the law was doing to him. And I, I remember when I first got saved um, there at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs and Diamond Bar, I was inviting whatever friends would, would go with me to church. And I remember uh, inviting a, a couple, Anthony and his girlfriend at the time, to church, and they were shacked up. They were living together at the time. And I remember I used to love to sit in the front, front row. I loved the word so much. I loved what I was hearing. I was born again. I was a new believer. And so I would sit in the front, and Pastor Raw, the whole message was about fornication. And so even though this couple friend of mine, they knew that they were living wrong, because they sat in, in that sermon where God, by his divine providence, was speaking to that sin, it made their sin way bigger. That's what the law does. It makes what is what we know to be bad. Now it's on a different level. Now we know. And so they were squirming there. And as a new believer, I was squirming like they'll never come back here again. And I was a new believer, not, not understanding that, that as a follower of Christ, you face persecution when people hear the truth. But they were squirming, and, and I hope that they're saved now. But... But again, it was the law that was preached to them that really um, <clears throat> enhanced their guilt. It now uh, made them uh, far more guiltier. As, it's, as Jesus said in that parable, now that you know the master's will, your stripes will be worse. If you know your master's will, now, now it's, it's, it's far worse, far more terrible. And that's what he said in verse 5 of this chapter. He said, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. So now they really, really know that they are uh, sinners. And that's what the law does. And so he asks the question here, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Is the law sin because it makes me aware and enhances my guilt? Certainly not. Um, on the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking an opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. And so here, Paul says that the law is good. Indeed, it is good, or else he would have never known, thou shalt not covet. And so, wonderful, our church is growing. Answered prayer. Paul says that the law is good because the law instructs the world what God believes is good and what God believes is bad, right? That's what the law does. It lets us know what God thinks of things. This is good and this is bad. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not uh, commit murder. And, and, and on and on, the laws of God, it is good. It teaches us, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. The law is good. It teaches us what is good and what is bad. 
But sin takes an opportunity. And what's interesting about Paul is he begins to talk about sin as if it's its own entity, like it's, it's another person in his life, which he's talking about the flesh. And, and, and we know that uh, for those of us who have walked with God for, for a while now, that we basically have three enemies, the flesh, the devil, and the world. And this is all about our flesh. And what he's saying is that the law is good. It teaches us what God says is right, what God says is wrong. But that sin took advantage of it. And that's what he's saying here in verse, uh, verse uh, 8. He says, but sin taking an opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, the commandment holy and just and good. And so... It's that thing, the flesh, the sin in our flesh is so deceptive. It's such an enemy to us that what he's saying is, is once, once he knew the law, once the commandment was there, do not enter, do not trespass, do not do this. There's something about our flesh that wants to enter wants to trespass, wants to do what God says not to do. And that's what he's saying here, that, that this entity, this sin in all of us, looks at the law of God and wants to break it. It wants to break it. We need to know this about ourselves. We really do, or else we're fighting a battle that we don't understand. Our enemy, our biggest enemy, isn't really Satan or the world. It's your flesh and my flesh. That's what we are learning here, just how evil our flesh is. Paul is saying the law is so good. Look, what we ought to do, what we ought not to do. But my flesh, it's, 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 it's thinking and, and wanting you know, worse things than ever now that I know the law. What is it about God's law that takes this fallen body and, and, and they're just battling? What is it? It's the word and it's the fallen state of our bodies. We've been born again for those of us who have believed in Jesus. We are new creatures. We are, we are sons and daughters, inner man, inner woman, but our bodies, as long as we're in these bodies of death, we're going to struggle with sin. And that's what chapter seven, it's all about, chapter seven, it's all about we as believers will still struggle with sin, particularly the flesh. Amen? So he says here, and the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. And so, uh, therefore, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. So he's saying here that, you know, the law is good, but the law couldn't save Paul. Because all of us, like Paul, have sinned against the law. Right? So the law can't justify or make someone righteous. But also we're learning that our flesh 
can also not help us. Your flesh and my flesh cannot help us live holy lives before God. Does that make sense? All right, that's what he's saying here. Verse 13, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And so this is just an amazing statement by Paul the Apostle. This is the Apostle of Jesus Christ here admitting to the whole world this struggle with sin. He says, I'm carnal. I'm, I'm a man sold under sin. He goes, I don't understand the things that I want to do I don't do and the things that I don't want to do that's that I end up doing such a beautiful beautiful uh, statement from the apostle it should give all of us uh, comfort it should give all of us strength that like Paul we all struggle with the flesh with sin why am I doing bad things that I don't want to do Paul is saying and do not do the good things that I want to do. That's a plea for only one person who can help him. It's not the flesh. It's not the law. But only Jesus Christ can help him. But our beautiful Apostle Paul that we love, this was his life. This was his way of life was saying, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm doing the bad I don't want to do. Help me. Lord, I'm not doing the good that you want me to do and I want to do. Lord, help me. And this is a beautiful, just Paul letting us into his private struggles as a believer. For what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil that I, the evil that I, will, not, I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not do, not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul here, you know, and he's he's speaking, you know, about his flesh and that sin. He's saying that if if he finds that he's doing the things that he ought not to, that he doesn't want to, he realizes that it's the sin that's in him, but it's not him. Now, that's not an excuse that, you know, Christians can take that it's, it's not me, it's the sin that dwells in me. It's not an excuse at all. It's, it's the reality that sin and our flesh is its own entity, that it's against us. And, and so Paul is, is 
really blessing us with this blanket of grace that like you have to understand that as a believer when you struggle with sin and you blow it you know by saying something or doing something that uh, that is sinful and not good that you can acknowledge that that's not my inner man that's not the spirit of god but that's my flesh that's a different entity and that that is full of grace and full of mercy because as spouses or as parents or grandparents or or friends or whoever we're dealing with when they blow it and get a little fleshly you know we can tell them that was your flesh not that was you, you, that's, that's the real you is just coming. No, it, it, in our flesh, we're all going to blow it. We're all going to struggle. So there's grace in saying, look, all of us struggle with sin. All of us get fleshed out sometimes. All of us can be carnal. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m., and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.